0: It's a blessing to see everyone. Bow about for a word of prayer. Father, Father, I, I feel exceptionally weak this morning and inadequate. So I come to you. Would you help me, Father? But not for my sake, but for your name's sake that you may be declared in this place and the word of God may run swiftly and be glorified and I pray that you help those who hear that they'll receive the word as each and every one of us has to deal with our guilt and our condemnation would you teach us how to apply the Gospel, how to apply the work of Christ for the good of each and every person in this room. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Ivan. I'm one of the pastors here. And today, we are going to be, Lord willing, looking at a subject that affects each and every one of us. Rather you're a Christian, rather you're not. Each and every one of us has to deal with our guilt, deal with our condemnation. How are we going to deal with it? So in the the first message in this series... We dealt with how God has provided His Son that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And that we have this perfect standing before God through faith in Christ. And that won't change. And our sin isn't even put on our account. So then the question comes, okay, if that's true, then my sin really doesn't matter. So we spent two sermons dealing with that, okay dealing with yes, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you have a perfect standing before God. however, this doesn 't just come alone it's a it comes you can say a package deal, and in chapter six, we saw that not only are you made righteous, but you have become dead. <coughs> to your sin and you are alive in Christ Jesus. And you have been delivered from your bondage, your slavery to sin and to be a slave of Christ, a slave of God to bear fruits for holiness. Okay, but then we're like, okay, if that's true and I believe that is true, I believe I'm dead to my sin. I believe I'm alive to God. You know, to holiness, to righteousness. I believe I've been delivered from my bondage to my sin, and now, I'm I'm a slave of God. I'm a slave of Christ. But when you examine your life, you're like, I know that's true, but it does it doesn't really seem that way in my life. I mean, it seems like. I I mean, I know I've been delivered from my slavery to my sin, but I feel like a slave to my sin. You say, I know I've died to my sin, but how can I be dead to my sin when I'm constantly failing? Constantly. I desire to do these things, but constantly. It's like my sin is this taskmaster that I just I just can't get free from so how do we deal with that well Paul he doesn't just leave us without an answer to that without help to that see as we dealt with chapter 6 yes you're dead to your sin you're alive to God you're freed from your slavery to sin but then we get to chapter 7 And we realize, wait, there is a struggle with sin. Even as a Christian, even as one who is dead to their sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, there is a struggle with sin. So how do you deal with your guilt? How do you deal with your condemnation? I mean, Paul uses himself as an example. How does Paul go? From the things I want to do, I don't do. And that which I hate, that I practice. How does he go from that? Saying, I delight in the law of God and the inward man. But I see another law, I walk in my members. Waging war against the law of my mind. And bring me into captivity to the law of sin in my members. Wait, Paul, I thought you were free. What do you mean in captivity? Well, even as Christians, we deal with that. Each and every one of us deals with that. So Paul, he gets to chapter 8, and he starts to help us deal with our sin, deal with our condemnation, and ultimately to continue to walk in what we saw in chapter 6. Because in chapter 8, if you read through it slowly, there's many things that take concepts in chapter 6 and just put them in a little different language. So what Paul is doing, he's saying, in light of your sin, I want to help you walk in victory. Walk as one who is dead to sin and alive to Christ. Walk as a slave of God to bear fruit for holiness and know how to deal with your sin. Deal with your condemnation so that you can continue to walk in that path. And that's what Paul does in Romans chapter 8. So we're just going to read the first three verses here. Romans chapter 8. Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin. And death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh well, on account of sin he condemned sin in the flesh so again Paul here he wants to help us deal with our sin deal with our condemnation you notice that it starts it says there is therefore therefore takes us back to the previous chapter because of our sin problem there isn't one person in here who does not deal with the problem of sin rather you're a christian rather you're not you must deal with sin. You must deal with guilt. You must deal with condemnation. And so Paul is instructing the Roman Christians how to deal with their guilt and their condemnation. He says, there is therefore now. That word is very, very important. Because in your Christian life, there's going to be times well, it's easy to believe. Oh, there, there's no condemnation. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm keeping the law pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel any condemnation. I mean, the things I desire to do for God, I actually do them. I know, I know it's not perfect, but I, I can believe that. But there are seasons. If you have not, as a Christian, if you have not gone through one of those seasons, you will go through one of those seasons where it's like you just feel condemned constantly because you're like man I desire to do these things I desire to think these thoughts I I don't want to do this why am I doing this what is wrong with me and then not only your own flesh you got Satan there he's like yeah did you see what you did you call yourself a Christian Come on, seriously? You know, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You call yourself a new creation, look at what you did. Look at the mess you made. Look at how you spoke to your wife. Look at what you did to your husband, your kids. Look, you don't obey your parents. You think you're a Christian? What kind of Christian are you? And we feel condemned, constantly. So that word now is very important. Because as a Christian, there is not one point in your life, ever, not one fraction of a millisecond, that there is condemnation for you. Going back to the first sermon, you are the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That will not change. Your sin isn't even put on your account. Jesus Christ has justified or declared you righteous. That will not change. It doesn't matter what you do. Your standing before God isn't going to change. There is no condemnation before you, or for you. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to who? To those who are in Christ Jesus like i said everyone in here deals with sin you deal with your guilt you deal with your condemnation but the truth of there being no condemnation is only true of the one who is in christ jesus if you're in here this morning and you're not in christ jesus There, there are many ways That we try to deal with our guilt Our condemnation It goes all the way back To the Garden of Eden When Adam and Eve Knew what they did Knew That they had disobeyed God Knew that they were naked In their shame What do they do? Do they go to God? God we disobeyed you Forgive us That's not what they did They said, we can deal with our guilt. We can deal with our condemnation. We're going to sow some fig leaves and we're going to hide from God. If you are not in Christ Jesus, you're doing exactly the same thing. It may be fig leaves of entertainment, it may be of relationships. It may be of even illicit things and you're l- fulfilling your lust. But you try to deal with your guilt, deal with your condemnation. Some people turn to alcohol. There's, there's so many things, but all of it is insufficient. There's only one way that your guilt and condemnation can be dealt with. And that is in Christ Jesus. So the question is, how do I know if I'm in Christ Jesus? Is there anything in this text that will tell me if I'm in Christ Jesus? Well, the next phrase that is in like the New King James and King James, in verse 1, you won't see in every translation. But you will see it in verse 4. So it is in the passage. But so, how do we know if we're in Christ Jesus? It says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, it does have to do with your walk. If you walk according to the flesh, or you walk according to the Spirit. Now, many times when we think of walking according to the Spirit as Christians, We think of, oh, I'm doing everything I ought. You know, I'm keeping the law. I'm walking according to the Spirit. But do you realize that even the fact that you mourn over your sin, that you lament the fact you don't love Jesus Christ as you ought, that is evidence of the Spirit in your life. So the person who's walking according to the flesh is just walking according to their own desires. They they don't care about God, they don't care about Christ. They do what they want. They're the god of their world. They go where they want. They do what they want. They you, spend their time how they want. They watch what they want. They listen to what they want. They make friends and associate with those whom they want. They don't care about God, they don't care about Christ. It's about them. If that's you this morning Then you are walking According to the flesh And there is nothing But condemnation for you But Jesus Christ Is a very gracious Savior It doesn't matter what your past is It doesn't matter how much You have rejected him He says Come to me He says come to me You're weary with your guilt. You're trying to deal with it all these ways, but you're weary with your guilt and you're burdened with your condemnation. He's like, come to me. I will give you rest. I will take away your guilt. I will take away your condemnation. So if you are not in Christ Jesus, you can come to Christ Jesus this morning and have your guilt and condemnation removed. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we know there is evidence of the Spirit. We mourn over our sin. We love Christ and lament that we don't love him as we ought, that we don't walk as we ought pleasing him. How do we deal with our guilt and condemnation? We know all of these truths of scripture, but we're still weighed, by, weighed down by our guilt and our condemnation. So, Paul, can you help us deal with that? Well, he does. So, first of all, he lets us know, just as we saw in chapter 6, that Jesus Christ has set us free from our condemnation. The law could only condemn us, because we can't keep the law. It can only condemn us. So Paul says in verse 2, he says for or because. So Paul, why is there no condemnation for those who were in Christ Jesus? For, because, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now when the word law is used, it's not always used as this commandment. For example, let's say you ran through a red light. You broke the law of the land. That's one use of law, but the law of gravity, that's a different use of the word law, and we get the same thing in scripture. The law of the spirit, that law, it, it can mean a principle, and influ- an influence. So it's saying, the principle of the Spirit, the influence, uh, um, the Spirit who has come to give us life in Christ Jesus, it's made us free, it's released us from the law of sin and death. The principle, the influence of our sin, which is yes, because of the law, you know, as we see in chapter 7, we don't have time to go back, but the law and our sin kind of work together. And the law stirs up our sin. And our sin takes opportunity by the law to deceive us. And as Paul says, and by it, kills us. Okay, but here, the first thing we ought to know, the reason there is now, right now, at this very second, and at every second in your Christian walk, the reason we should know and hold to there is now no condemnation, For those who are in Christ Jesus. It's because the law of the spirit. Has given us life in Christ Jesus. And he's freed us from the law of sin and death. So how do we know. Again if that's true of us. Well says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Has made me free. Do you have life in Christ Jesus. Are there signs of life. We just, when you have life, and you get cut, you feel pain. When you sin, do you feel pain? And not just because, oh man, I can do better than that, but because you have sinned against the Christ who has laid down his life for you. Are there signs of life in Christ Jesus? If there are signs of life. Yes you may struggle with your sin. But. Grasp a hold of that first verse. There is therefore now no condemnation for you. Because if you don't grasp a hold of that. Then the rest of your life. You're going to be. Struggling with your condemnation. And you're going to be in depression and everything else. Because you don't give your mind to grasping that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we see the first reason Paul gives us is because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You know, but a lot of times as Christians, when we look for something to uh, give evidence of our conversion or our walk, we look at ourselves. There is a place to examine yourself. We see that in Scripture. There is a place to examine ourselves. But that's not the first thing Paul does. He, he doesn't just jump to, okay, this, those who walk by the Spirit, this is how they walk. They put to death the deeds of the body, as we'll see later. He doesn't jump to that. He's like, the first place your mind needs to be set is not on you. It's not on me. So if you're looking for something to grab onto this morning, something to set your mind on this morning, to help you with your struggle, with your guilt and your condemnation, it's not going to be by looking at you. So what's it by? Verse 3. For what the law cannot do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So what does he mean what the law could not do? Is there something wrong with the law? Well, we see in chapter 7, Paul makes that argument. And he says, no, the law is holy. The commandment is holy, just, and good. The problem with the law isn't the law. The problem is you and the problem is me. It says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. The law doesn't have a flesh. You do and I do. That's the problem with, the, with trying to keep the law. It's not the law, it's us. So, do, do we just look at ourselves and say, And mourn and say, oh, we can't keep the law. There is no hope. What do we do? He says, what the law can do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. What you can do, what I can do, God did by sending His Son into this world to keep the obedience That the law required. None of us could do that. In our own strength. But God knowing that. Sent his son as a gift. We just had thanksgiving. What greater thing to be thankful for. Than God sending his son. To keep the law on your behalf. As he says in Galatians. He says in the fullness of time. Or just at the right time. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. You said, wait, being under the law is a bad thing. Well, it is for you. It is for me. It's not for Jesus. And he said he was born under the law to redeem us from under the law. We had to be redeemed. We had to be purchased from under the law. Because the law could only condemn us. So God sent Jesus Christ to fulfill the righteousness that the law required. God is righteous. He cannot accept anything less than absolute perfection. So he sent his son to accomplish it. So when you're dealing with your guilt, dealing with your condemnation, if you look at yourself, more than likely it's just going to drive you deeper down in your depression. You don't look at yourself you look at christ you say god sent forth his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to fulfill the obedience that i cannot fulfill and then what about our sin so that is the obedience or the righteousness that the law requires but what about our sin we continue he says on account of sin he condemned sin in the flesh So, why is there no condemnation? Because Christ took upon himself the condemnation. So, as a Christian, when we feel guilty, when we feel condemned, the problem isn't that, oh, we sinned. The problem isn't that, oh, we failed. The problem is that we took our eyes off Christ. We took our eyes off the one who suffered the condemnation of the law, the condemnation of God for us. That's the problem. So with our struggles with guilt and condemnation, stop looking at yourself. That's not going to help you. Look away from yourself. Look to God. Look to Christ. God sent forth his son into this world. To fulfill the righteousness you could not and to be condemned for the sin that you and I deserve to be condemned for. But Christ took it. So look to Christ. That is your answer as you deal with your sin and deal with your condemnation. But like I mentioned earlier, Satan and all his forces One of Satan's main weapons is to use your guilt, your condemnation. He's even, one of his names we see in the book of Revelation, the accuser of the brethren. So not only is your own flesh going to give you a hard time with your guilt and condemnation, but Satan will come behind as the accuser of the brethren. He's going to just be like, yeah, you you see what you did? Yeah, who do you think you are? Really, you think God loves you now? After what you did? And come on, you you can repent, but you know you're going to do it again. What good is that going to do? So, how do we do battle with Satan when he's coming against us? Bringing our sin to bear and making us feel even more guilt, more condemnation. How do we do battle with Satan? Well in the book of Ephesians we see the whole armor of God and there is one strand that goes through the whole armor and that is the Word of God. He talks about the helmet of salvation. The only way we have any knowledge about salvation is the Word of God. The shield of faith that's believing the Word of God. The sword the Spirit, the Word of God. The breastplate of righteousness, found in the Word of God. All of it goes back to the Word of God. So, if we are going to be armed, when Satan comes and assaulting us with our sin, assaulting us with guilt, assaulting us with condemnation, your defense against him is to know the Word of God. You know, Jesus in the wilderness, that that isn't just a, a, a story of what happened to him. That's an example for you. That's an example for me. When Satan comes against us, we need to know the word of God. So my question is, how can we use this passage to do battle with Satan? Well, let's say there's a scenario you, you just committed some sin. You, you thought you would never in a million years as a Christian commit. You didn't think you were capable of that sin. You've just committed something horrible. You feel horrible about it. You feel guilty. You, you have gone to God. You've repented. You know He's forgiven you. But you just feel guilty, you feel dirty, you feel disgusting, you feel condemned. You're ashamed to even pray to God. Like, after what I did? And then Satan's right there. Yeah, you, you know you're right about that. God doesn't want to see you. After what you did? Do you realize how much God has done for you? And this is how you repay him? Why, why would you do that? I mean, I know, maybe you're not even a Christian. I know there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but you don't appear to be in Christ Jesus. Would someone in Christ Jesus do what you just did? And Satan's going to be right there. So how can we take some of the words in this passage and use them against Satan? How can we be armed? So when Satan comes against us, we can have a defense, not out of our own minds, but out of the word of God. And like Jesus Christ say, it is written. Well, we've just looked at some. So Satan comes against you. And he says, man, you know, you deserve to be condemned for that. You're like, Okay, Satan, you know what? You're actually right on that one. But guess what? God sent forth his son into this world. What the law can do that it was weak through my flesh. You're exactly right, Satan. I am too weak to keep the law. But God, what I could not do, God did. He sent his son in the likeness of my sinful flesh to fulfill the obedience I could not. And on account of my sin, Christ took upon in his own flesh, he condemned my sin in his flesh. Or as Peter says, he bore in his own body our sins on that tree. Christ took my condemnation. So Satan, you're right. I do deserve to be condemned. Matter of fact, with a condemnation, you can't even understand. But Satan... I know what my God has done for me. And there is therefore now, right now, it doesn't matter what I did right now, there's no condemnation. Because I am in Christ Jesus. And Satan says, okay, okay, I'll give you that one. But you know now, you've messed up God's plan for your life. You know, God, God had these great plans for you. He was going to use you mightily. But now you've messed all that up. So what do you say then? We take him to verse 28. And we say, Satan? Satan, you know what? I know. I know that God, he works all things together. For together those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And say no, be there, what, you think you love God after what you just did? And you say, Satan, let, let's keep going. See, those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You see, Satan, yes, I lament the fact that I don't love him as I ought. But my... Earnest desire is to be conformed to the image of his son, therefore, I am the one who loves him and is called according to his purpose. And it's not going to mess up anything because as we keep going, it says, Those he predestined, these he also called, those he called, these he also justified, those he justified, these he also glorified. You're like Satan, it's already done. It's already done. You can't come in and mess it up. My own sin can't come in and mess it up. Yes, I sinned. But guess what? My God is so great. He has ordained even my sin for my good to drive me back to him. To sanctify me. Satan, yes, you are right. Yes, I sinned. But that did not mess up God's plan. Actually, God is over this, sovereignly ordained it all for my good. And Satan's like, okay, well, I see you know your Bible. But it doesn't change the fact that you still did that. And you say, okay, Satan, well, let's fast forward a little bit to verse 33. And who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Not you. Are you going to bring a charge against me? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is God who declares righteous. God gave me this standing. As we said, what the law couldn't do, what I cannot do, God did. He sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of my sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Satan, how, how are you going to bring a charge against me? It isn't going to stick. And Satan, you're trying to condemn me. But who is there to condemn? Because it's Christ who died. Furthermore, he is risen. And he sits at the right hand of God. And he makes intercession for me. So Satan, who are you? Who do you think you are? I am God. I am Christ. Yes, I sin. Yes, you're exactly right about that. This thing I have done, yes, it is horrible. But I'm not looking to myself. I'm looking to Christ. I'm looking to my God who has justified me. I'm looking to Christ who has taken my condemnation upon himself. He rose as in chapter 4 it says he rose because of our justification He rose And that just proved that God Accepted his offering To justify us I am now declared righteous Because Christ rose He is no longer in the grave The grave is empty And Satan says okay But do you really think That God Is going to continue loving you after what you did. I mean I can understand. How he loves those Christians. Who obey him. I can understand. How he loves those Christians. Who they, they get up in the morning. They spend three hours with the Lord. They're in prayer. They're in the word. They're memorizing. I, I can understand how he loves those Christians. But you really. Look at your life. And you say, Satan? <coughs> Satan, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities or powers like you, Satan, nor things present, nor things to come—not not my presence in, nor sin I'm going to do in the future—it says, nor height nor death, nor any other created thing. It's going to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus the Lord. So get behind me, Satan. So how are we to do battle with Satan? It's with the word of God. So I just encourage you. As I said, all of us deal with our guilt. All of us deal with our condemnation. How are you going to deal with it? Reading the Word, it's good. But Satan, he usually attacks you when you're nowhere near your Word, when you've forgotten what you read this morning. He comes at an opportune time. We even see that in the Gospels. When he left Jesus, it says, he was waiting for the opportune time. And the same way with us. So what's our best defense? It's to get the word in us so that there is no time that Satan can come to us. And we be disarmed, so to speak. And we'll have that word. Just like when he came to Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus didn't say, um, <laughs> one second, Satan, let me pull out my scroll and no. The, he was like, okay, Satan, it is written. And in the same way, we need to be able to do the same thing. So I encourage you, brothers, sisters, get into your word of God. And just you, you don't have to be like, oh, I have to memorize, you know, this chapter today. You say even if it's one phrase of one verse, just take that with you. Memorize, meditate on that. Just a little at a time. And then over time, before you know it, you'll have so much scripture stored up in yourself that Satan has less and less and less opportunities. To come and bring lies. Bring half-truths. Because you can identify those things. You can identify those lies. And you can take them straight to the scripture. We don't just want to have some kind of familiar familiarity with it. We want to know the scripture. You think of Eve in the Garden of Eden. So Satan comes, and how is he going to come to you? Has God really said? Just to test your knowledge of the Word of God. And what did Eve say? Well, he said, we shall not eat of the tree, and I think we can't touch it either. I'm not sure if that was in there, but... No, we need to know the Word of God, because that is how Satan is going to come to you. So give yourself to the Word of God. Give yourself to memorize, to storing up the word of God in you, that when Satan, the accuser of the brethren, comes to you, he might not find you unarmed. But you might be clothed in the whole armor of God. And as Paul says, you will be able to withstand in the evil day. And you will be able to defend yourself against the attacks of the wicked one. Which one of his chief attacks, because all of us sin, is with guilt and condemnation. So, if nothing else, if you remember nothing else, remember to look to Christ and get in your word and store it up within you so that you can be as Paul says strengthened with might in the inner man by his Holy Spirit that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love might be able to comprehend what is the width length depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge and be filled with all of the fullness of God Let's pray. Holy and righteous Father. Father, there is not one individual in this building today that does not deal with guilt and does not deal with condemnation. Some of us, like Adam and Eve, are trying to deal with it ourselves Sewing together our fig leaves, trying to hide from God, making excuses as Adam blamed the woman and blamed God, the woman blamed the serpent. Father, I pray if that is anyone in this room that they would see. That all of the ways they are trying to deal with, trying to hide their guilt and condemnation, they are insufficient. And there is therefore now nothing but condemnation until they come to Christ Jesus. And for the saints in this room, I just pray, Father. That as we go out from this place, we would deal with our guilt, deal with our condemnation in a more biblical way. And we would walk in more victory as we cling to Christ, as we look to Christ and not ourselves. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.